Well, this past week, I went to get my every four to six week haircut. You could probably tell it's a little bit shorter than it was last week if you happen to watch the video. I've been going to this person uh, who cuts my hair probably for about the last 10 years or, mo or more. So every time I go, we like to catch up on life and family. She, her name is Sherry. She'll ask me about the kids and the latest and what's up with them. And I catch her up on all of it and everything that's going on. I know she likes to travel, so I ask her about her latest trips and her family as well and what's going on with them. Well, the other day, this past week, as we finished up, she paused and she said kind of uncharacteristically and with some vulnerability, you know, it's been a rough month for me. So I asked her, so what's up? And she shared about how a month ago her father in West Virginia had passed away. And I knew from past conversations how much she loved her father and she would travel very often to go visit him, take him on numerous trips to visit family um, all over from Pennsylvania um, down to Florida. Well, then she shared that right after her father passed away, her sister was hospitalized with a very severe case of COVID and she had to be put um, on a vent, a ventilator in a hospital in Pennsylvania. So for a few weeks, Sherry was making rounds, uh, driving to West Virginia, uh, tending to her father's plans for his funeral, and then to Pennsylvania um, to tend to her sister's health issues and work with the hospital and advocate for her father, or her, her sister at the hospital. Now, I'm glad to say that her sister has come through her bout with COVID um, relatively well. She's now facing some significant rehabilitation, uh, but she's gonna have to learn to walk all over again, as Sherry shared with me. And I'm sure Sherry is gonna be there every step of the way with her um, as an advocate and a support and an, encourage, an encouragement for her. But you know, this all started when Sherry just took a few moments, um, kind of uncharacteristically vulnerable, and she says, you know, it's been a rough month for me. And I asked her what was up. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. I remember hearing a speaker say this about Jesus many years ago, made this statement. Ministry for Jesus happened to be whoever was in front of him at that moment. Now think about that. Ministry for Jesus happened to be whoever was in front of him at that moment. Jesus really didn't plan it out. He didn't organize it. He didn't necessarily have a committee. Uh, it wasn't anything structured. Ministry for him literally was whoever happened to be in front of him at that moment. And I was struck by the simplicity and the profound nature of that statement. You know, as a paid clergy, I had developed a rather institutionalized notion of ministry. Ministry was what happened through programs. Ministry was what happened through events of the church calendar. Ministry was what happened through a certain committee, which was organized by a certain committee and often was only practiced by that committee. And ministry was often done particularly just through the paid clergy, and they did it on behalf of everyone else. But that was and continues to be a rather limited view of ministry, and one that I continue to have to tell myself to look beyond and look past. And the statement and observation that ministry for Jesus happened to be whoever was in front of him at that moment is simple. The simplicity in the fact that ministry is everywhere and basically is something we are invited into and not something we necessarily create, but we are invited in that moment. It presents itself. It's a profound statement in that it completely redefines ministry and it has the potential to, 
to, to remind us that ministry is available to everyone and everywhere in that moment, wherever we may be, wherever we may inhabit. And it redefines ministry completely. So I took a few moments and tried to write down maybe what would be a definition of ministry, and this is what I came up with. Ministry is essentially being present to others that offers them a hospitable space to be who they are with all of their joys and their struggles and their pain and their brokenness and their uncertainty and their seeking. Ministry is loving others in the same way that God loves us. Ministry is serving others with no expectation of receiving anything in return. And ministry is incarnating, that is, enfleshing, embodying. Ministry is incarnating the love and presence of God wherever we go. And by this definition, we're all ministers. In fact, that's very much a Quaker touchstone. That is, everyone is a minister. Quakers don't often use the word laity, if at all use the word laity. They don't make a distinction between clergy and laity. For Quakers, everyone is a minister, and everyone is called to ministry. And in this sense, if we have eyes to see it, it's often right in front of us or right around us, but that's the key if we have eyes to see it. In fact, I would say that offering ministry and living into God's intentions and purposes is really the ultimate sustenance for the soul. At least that's what Jesus told his disciples. Again, the story that I read from the Gospel of John, the disciples were worried about Jesus not eating enough, so they basically said, you need to eat. Jesus turns it around and he says to them this, now there's something else that sustains me much more than food. Now this confused the disciples since they didn't see any food around and they were actually wondering, well, who brought Jesus food? What does he mean that there's something that sustains me much more than food? Well, as Jesus always does with the disciples and even us, he helps them out. And he says this, I am fed by doing the will of the one that is capital O, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Or as the paraphrase the message puts it, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work that he started. Now, this isn't to say that Jesus didn't eat food for physical strength. I'm sure he did. In fact, I know he did. What I hear Jesus saying is this, that the hunger and the emptiness that we sometimes feel in our soul, the basic human condition, can be met adequately in only one way, and that is by joining God in the work God is doing in our world. Joining God in our personal calling, joining God in our ministry, in other words, joining God and aligning our purposes and our intentions with God's purposes and God's intentions. In some way, we're all looking for a sense of purpose. In some way, we're all looking for a sense of meaning. And what Jesus indicates is doing the will of the one who sent him, doing the will of God, that is, doing God's intentions and purposes. And when we hear the phrase will of God in this moment, don't think of every little detail we may be trying to figure out what God wants us to do during the day, whether it's a job or a career or who you might date or who you might marry. Those are important things. But think of this overarching will that God has for all of creation, that creation be made whole, that creation uh, be healed, that creation be made whole and healed of its brokenness, that there be a rightness in life, a righteousness in life, 
that there be truth spoken to power, that all of this, that everything is made right in the world. That is God's ultimate will for all of creation. And Jesus says, I have come to do the will of the one who sent me, and this is what sustains me. This is what feeds my soul. This is what gives me meaning and purpose. And I believe Jesus says that to you and I as well. Now, this may involve simple acts of service. It may involve simple acts of justice work, acts of mercy, offering simple presence. It may, offer, it may, it may be simply loving our neighbor. It will take many different forms and shapes since we all have our unique contexts. But Jesus reminds us, that we may end up trying to fill our emptiness and our hunger with a lot of other things, things like stuff or things like continual leisure or the next hobby, whatever our next hobby will be. But ultimately, that which truly sustains us is joining with God in the, work, in the good work that God is doing in the world because all of us have a good work within us. And that good work invites us to join God in God's good work. Now, it's not that ministry opportunities are not around us, and very often it's because I'm not seeing what's around me, and my eyes are closed to the opportunities around me. Again, in that text, Jesus says to his disciples, Don't you have a saying, he says? Four more months, and then it's time for the harvest. Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for harvest. In other words, Jesus is telling his disciples that they had been so preoccupied with other matters that they didn't even realize that those four months had passed. Everything was ripe right now. It's ready to go. It's ready to be harvested. Don't squander this opportunity. Look around you. Wake up. Be aware. By not paying attention and noticing what was around them, they risked squandering the opportunity and missing out on a time for fruitful ministry. Now, I'm not going to be too hard on the disciples, to be honest with you. I often don't notice the opportunities around me because I'm too preoccupied with other matters or I'm distracted by my own set schedule or plans or agenda or I have a very limited vision and understanding of where God will show up and where God is at work in the world. I have my categories of where only God can be at work and God's determined to bust those categories. Sometimes I can be a skimmer in life. That is, I'm just skimming along at breakneck speed and moving from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and everything is a blur, and I'm going right past the moments that present themselves. Author Bruce Main offers these words. I wonder if you can relate to my dilemma. Life has been somewhat of a blur. Am I missing something? If I take time to scratch beneath the surface of the bad news or to reflect more deeply on the events of my life, will I have an opportunity to discover something more life-giving and spiritually enriching? If I really take time to notice what is going on around me, will I find opportunities to discover a glimpse of God's presence? Let me read that last sentence again. If I really take time to notice what is going on around me? Will I find opportunities to discover a glimpse of God's presence? I think that's the key. Taking time to notice what is going on around me. Living our lives in such a way that we're able to notice what's going on around us. Slowing ourselves down. 
being present to life in such a way that we can literally notice what is going on around us and often notice what is going on within us because often those two do connect and match up. You know, in the moment at the end of my haircut, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I had the eyes to see right in front of me this opportunity for ministry, for offering simple, loving presence. I'm not usually wired up that way, but God tapped the brakes on my soul and tapped me on the shoulder and basically said, hey, you need to take notice and invited me to lean into it, to risk the moment, to allow myself to be vulnerable. In other words, I noticed. And before I left, I walked around the counter and I just simply gave Sherry a very simple hug. And I told her I was sorry for all that she'd gone through and I hope that it continues to get better and I hope that she continued to heal and that I would hold her in prayer. You know, ministry takes on many different forms. I think we just need, I just need to have our eyes open and notice what's going on right in front of us and around us and even within us. And when I mean even within us, to, to pay attention to the promptings and the nudges that we feel. I had a phone call today with someone who was just asking me some basic questions about Quakers and asking me some other basic questions about a cemetery plot. And then he began to tell me about his mother and how his mother is coming out of rehab and she's 86 and she's been having trouble uh, with her kidneys and um, they're bringing her um, um, home today and hoping that she continues to get better. And in that moment, I just paid attention as best as I could. And I tried to notice what was going on around me but also what was going on within me. And I noticed that I felt the prompting and the nudge to just pray for his mother. So I asked him, I said, would you like me to pray for you and your mother? And he said, I certainly would. So we took about a minute or so on the phone and I simply prayed for him and prayed for his mother, prayed for the next step, prayed for the next transition. And somehow, some way, even in that moment, that felt like ministry. I think sometimes ministry takes on, as I said, different forms. And what we do is we look for that divine hug around us, that divine hug that we can give others, that we can present to them and offer them our presence like a divine hug, like the hug that I gave Sherry. And let me say this. There may be some um, that are watching this or listening to this that are not in the position or what I will call the soul space to be able to offer ministry because of what you're presently going through or experiencing. Life is hard for you right now. Life is challenging for you right now. Life may even be depressing for you right now. But maybe a different kind of noticing is your invitation to notice how God is reaching out to you and encouraging you with a divine hug, if I could put it that way. Maybe someone has encouraged you. Maybe someone has given you space to grieve. Maybe someone has listened to you or simply accepted you and offered you presence in all of your confusion and your pain and even your anxiousness and depression. In other words, they've given you that hospitable space. And maybe the only noticing you have to do is to notice how God is reaching out to you through them and that God is not far and that God is close and that God is offering you a divine hug in the same way that I offer Sherry a hug after our conversation. Sometimes I not only miss the opportunities God invites me into, but I also miss those divine hugs 
God sends my way to encourage me and bring strength to my soul. And when I get them, I often get them in the form of a text from someone that encourages me. I get them in the form of a card someone sends to encourage me and offer thanks. Sometimes I'll simply get them in the form of someone who listens to me, doesn't try to fix me or doesn't try to change me, doesn't even judge me. They just listen to me and provide that space. God's divine hugs come to us in many forms as a reminder that God is with us. Part of what spoke to me the last few days in connection with um, my conversation with Sherry uh, are these words from the author Joyce Rupp. This is what she writes. I don't know about you, but something in me hesitates to trust revelations of God when they are too ordinary. I like to think that God is mostly revealed in something big or outstandingly beautiful, like the Swiss Alps. The truth is that God is mostly revealed in those nearest to us, wherever we are. It is how we look for God, what we expect that makes the difference. Let us give up the high mountains and the vast oceans as our major searching places, and let us come home to our simple lives. What a beautiful statement. Let's give up the high mountains and vast oceans as our major searching places and come home to our simple lives because it's in those places that God is most likely going to show up. Her words reminded me to keep my awareness and my eyes open for God's divine presence and invitation in my everyday ordinary world and to not worry so much about the big acts of ministry and the dramatic moments of ministry. Those will happen, but not to expect those all the time and not to always look for those, if at all. But to live well, to be faithful to the simple invitations that present themselves every day. Invitations and opportunities that may only last a moment, but they all add to the building of God's kingdom in our world. They all add to helping join God in God's good work in the world. They all add up to helping God's will be manifested in our world.